I may not have been able to have the childhood that everyone else got to have, but that does not mean that mine was not important to me. It does not mean that I never loved the parents that I thought I had. It does not mean that I had a life that played out like some movie you watch on TV. I went to school. I did so many things that other kids did. I rode the bus. I walked home sometimes if the weather was nice. The horrors that happened behind the closed doors of my home did not make me less of a person. I was still a child. I still craved love. I still craved friendship, which is not something I got very often in school. I was bullied by a lot of the other popular kids. I do not know why they chose to bully me. Maybe they knew what was going on. Maybe they had no idea. But I was definitely a target for most of my experience in school. And I believe that is why I use school as my driving force to escape from all the craziness of my life. I tried to blend in at school. I tried to not be noticed. But I could not help sometimes noticing the stairs. Was it because I was one of the only ones that was wearing glasses? Or was it because they knew that I was the only child that was forced to do the things that I was being forced to do? Back while I was a child, I thought everyone did it. My only experience being around children during the sex trafficking, their parents were there too. So how was I supposed to know that not every child was going through the same thing? I did not have very many friends in grade school. I had no one to tell me that anything was weird. I had nobody to tell me what their life was like, so I had something to compare mine to. The only friends I had were the other kids that got bullied, and we grew close because of the bullying and not because of much else. It was strange, though, how despite the bullying at school, it was such a safe place for me. The monsters were the children, not the adults. So I felt like if I ever did open up to these adults, that I would be believed and that they would listen to me. I thought that maybe if I had ever brought up my delusions to them, that they would help to make sense of what I spoke about in the previous episode on how my versions of reality and truth were two completely different things. Unfortunately, my experience with that was not exactly how I had imagined it would be. There are so many things in life I thought were one thing, but were actually another. I was never told what happened to me was not normal, and there was a time when I did ask. And it was a strange thing because she told me that she was going to help me. But soon after she spoke with my parents, suddenly I became the one that was lying. And that help, it never came. So how else was I supposed to know that the normal was not normal? I can remember one morning waking up as if it was just any other day. 
What happened the night before did not seem to matter. It was just another night of practice. Except this time, I had done something wrong, and I was punished. I was not the perfect daughter that night. I can remember sitting at the island in our kitchen, just so terrified of how my mother would react when she saw my face. They never looked at me with love in their eyes. I cannot quite explain what the look was, but it was everything but love. It was the kind of look when someone looks at you and you can just feel every feeling of disgust that they have for you. I had grown so accustomed to that look that it didn't really bother me anymore. After eating a quick breakfast, my mother barely said a word to me as she handed me my lunchbox and my backpack and sent me out the door on the way to the bus stop. That day was different, and I do not know what brought on this unimaginable difference to any other day, but I felt so much shame. I had never felt like that before. All the kids were just laughing and playing like they had every single morning for as long as I could remember. But for some reason that particular day, it felt like I was the butt of all their jokes. I was the person that they were laughing at. And the only explanation that I could come up with is that they knew that I was not as good as they were. They were better at doing the things their parents wanted them to do. So, of course, they would laugh at me. And I began to question maybe that was why I was always so bullied, because they were just better at it. It never crossed my mind that they were not doing it. Again, the only experience that I knew with kids being sex trafficked was at those parties. And they all seemed so content with it. They did not seem sad. They never appeared to be scared. They acted the way that I felt about it, that it was just normal. And all their parents were with them as well. So when I saw the kids in my neighborhood just playing and living life, I thought that normalcy extended to the parties and extended to the sales. When the bus finally pulled up, everyone turned and looked at me. I must have drifted off into a world that did not exist for other people. A world where I remembered things. A world where all the monsters lived. I finally snapped out of it and I got onto the bus. I went all the way to the back like I always have. I like to sit in the back because I had this complex of not liking people to be behind me. But I never did quite understand what that was about. So I just sat and then I rode to school. Once we got there, I got off the bus and I began to realize just how much pain I was in. I sat down outside on the grass for a little bit while I waited for the bell to ring. I was exhausted because I had not slept very much. The pain was getting worse from the assault the night before. And I think I just needed to mentally prepare myself for any questions that might be asked. I hated being asked questions 
but I do not remember people ever asking very many. Once the bell rang, I was a little bit late for class, so nobody really saw as I was limping down the hallway to get to my classroom. I went to a private Catholic school, so we did not have to change classes throughout the day. One teacher, one classroom for the entire day. So that meant all I had to do was just sit, and I wouldn't have to worry about anyone seeing me limp. So I made my way to my desk and I sat down and pulled out my books to start the day. School was an escape for me. And even though I was bullied by most of the students because of the way that I looked or whatever the reason a child chooses to bully another child, I absolutely loved learning. I absorbed everything the teachers taught so quickly. I did not have to study and I would still get straight A's. I think it was just this part of my life was my favorite, so I put as much energy into it as I could. Halfway through the day, we were told we were going to have a lesson. They said that our parents had signed off on it. Looking back now, I cannot imagine why my parents would give permission for me to be in this class. Maybe they were just trying to rub salt on the wound and make me even more confused than I already was. Someone came in to teach us about good touch and bad touch. They talked about the bathing suit parts and how if people touched us there, it was a bad thing and that we should tell someone. I raised my hand because I wanted to ask if it was just when your parents did not want it to happen that it was bad. I was so confused because my parents allowed these things to happen to me. My parents did these things to me. The person talked about stranger danger, but they never talked about what happened when it was your own parents. And the more that I heard the other kids ask their questions, the more I started to feel shame. So I slowly put my hand down and figured that I would just ask in a more private setting. I waited until close to the end of the day, and I went down to the principal's office. I'd explained to her about the lesson that we had and told her that those kinds of things happened to me, but I wasn't sure if it was because my parents were doing it that it was not wrong. I was so confused because they said strangers would do this, or maybe an uncle or an aunt. They never mentioned parents touching you in those places. And they never mentioned parents allowing other people to do it as well. So I was confused. I sat in her office for a long time. And I talked about the parties. I talked about the doctor's offices, the dentist's offices, the mall. I spoke about all the hospital stays. I told her everything. Until this day, I can still close my eyes and remember the look on her face. Just absolute shock. But strangely enough, I don't even remember her name. She asked me to go sit out in the waiting room while she made a few calls and said that she was going to help me, that what was happening to me was wrong, and she would make sure that it never happened again. So I sat in the chair, and I waited. 
Other students came in and out of the office and gave me this look, like they thought I was in trouble or something. And then an officer came in and spoke with me and wrote a bunch of things down on his notepad. He explained that he needed to talk with my parents and let them know what I had said and that he would make sure I would stay safe. I trusted him. For once I felt like maybe that thing inside of me that was telling me this was so wrong was actually right. Maybe this was not normal. Maybe I did not have to hurt anymore. Maybe all the bad things would finally go away. I sat for a while and colored in the coloring books the principal had given me. The police officer finally came back after a while and went in and spoke with her, and then he just left. I thought it was strange, but I really did not think anything of it. She came out, asked me to come back into her office, and sat me down. She had explained to me that my parents had told them about my delusions that the officer was made aware of those problems that I was having at home with them. She said that my father was on his way to pick me up and that I would most likely be taken back to the hospital to make sure that I was doing okay and to figure out why the delusions were coming back. My heart shattered. I could not understand how it turned so fast from them telling me that what was happening to me was wrong to then them telling me that I was making it all up. I felt like that if it was that wrong, then why would they just listen to my parents' word and that was it? But any question that I had about this encounter with them did not matter anymore. My father was on his way to pick me up knowing that I had done the one thing I was always told not to do. I shared the family secret. I began to tremble because I was absolutely terrified to find out what was going to happen next. I had never told anyone before. I never even thought about it prior to the lesson being taught. So I had no idea what they were going to do to me. Once my father arrived, he apologized to the principal for my behavior. He guaranteed her that he would get me the help that I needed and that it would never happen again. He thanked her for sitting with me and bringing this problem to their attention. He assured her that him and my mother were doing okay, even though they were concerned for my well-being. Then he led me to his car and we got in and drove away from the school. I thought I was being taken to the hospital again to get help for the delusions that I was constantly told I was having, but instead, he took me to his office. He owned his own business, so he had one in town close by. I sat in the conference room in a chair while he went into his office. I could hear him rummaging around in his desk. I stared at a calendar on the wall, and I began to go back to when I was a young child. I started to remember looking at that calendar and picking a day when I was going to give up my blankie. That was the day I was going to become a big girl. It is the only memory that I ever have that did not include such pain. 
He finally came into the conference room and I could see that he was carrying something beside him. He held it to my forehead and told me that his trust in me had been broken because I had spoken about what I was told never to tell. People would never understand what our family does. And he told me that because I had disobeyed, that I would be punished. So he put me into his car and put the item in the center console so I would constantly see it. It was absolutely terrifying. This fear, it was something that I had never felt before. And I started to blame myself. I started to think, what have I done to my parents? I knew that it was wrong to lie to the police, and I forced them to lie. But then I also started to think, what if they weren't lying to the police? What if what they were saying was true? So all the confusion that I had felt this entire day was multiplied the longer I sat and thought as we rode in his car. I was not brought to the hospital that day. This was not about my delusions or anything else. It was about punishment. It was about terrifying me to the point that I would never even think of doing what I had just done again. And that was when we pulled up to the woods. My father got out of the car and he rummaged around in the trunk and pulled out two shovels. He handed me one and instructed me to just start walking. I knew these woods well. They were behind our home and me and my brothers had played hide and seek and manhunt so many times back there. We kept walking for miles. We had walked so long that the sun had already started to set and the darkness was all around me. I hated the dark. The monsters came in the dark. We finally reached an opening in the trees and my father instructed me to stop walking. He handed me the shovel and told me to start digging. So I did. I had screwed up so much that I had no choice but to just obey every single word that he said. I tried my hardest to dig as quickly as he wanted me to, but the truth is I was so young and I did not exactly have the upper body strength to do it as he wanted, but he kept pointing it at me. The same object that he held to my head just a few hours ago. So I did. I dug as hard as I possibly could until he finally told me to stop. I stood there shivering and trembling. I was freezing and I was absolutely terrified because I thought that this was it. This was the end. This is where he would take my life. He looked at me very differently than my mother had that morning. His eyes were so cold they sent shivers down my spine. But he also had this look of enjoyment on his face as he watched me standing there. He knew that I feared him with every inch of my soul, and he loved it. He loved knowing that he had every bit of power and control over me. And then he said the words that I will never forget. You will never speak of what you do for me and your mother again, or this is where I will put you. 
I was so young. And to hear your own father tell you that he wanted to end your life is something that sits with you always. It is something that you never forget. And it is something that you never learn to get over. Those words cut deep like a knife and will be forever scarred on my heart. Everything I thought I knew about my life changed that night in those woods with him. They were my parents, but I was not really their kid. I blocked so many memories after that night because I just wanted to forget it all. There was no way I was going to survive this life if I remembered what was happening. So I taught myself to dissociate. And the rest of my life just became a blur that would not surface for many, many years later. We got back into the car and we drove home. I was frozen with fear. I could not even say a word. I could hear inside my head trying to apologize and beg him for his forgiveness, but the words never seemed to make it out of my mouth. And looking back now, I'm glad that they never did because he did not deserve to hear them. As I grew older, that night was a constant reminder to keep me doing the things that he wanted me to do. He always would ask if we should take a walk in the woods. It was a threat that nobody else knew was a threat. So when I brought that girl to my house like I spoke of in my last episode, he asked if I wanted to take a walk in the woods, and I knew that I needed to get her out of the house as fast as I could. And I wish that I could say that today, being gone as long as I have and coming as far as I have, that if I heard him say those words, it would not bother me. But I can't say that because I have spent the past 11 and a half years hoping to never hear those words again, though I have so many times in the past few months. I wonder if he even knows that that is his tell. My journey that I started on sharing my story has been a difficult one and one that I work hard at every single day. The littlest thing is a trigger to a flashback and sometimes those flashbacks do not make sense. I keep flashing to my aunt's house right now. I do not know what the memory is but I know that it is a memory. And every single time I pray that it is not a bad one. But the reality is the memories get worse and worse the more that I remember. Maybe someday I will be able to remember anything good from the time I spent with them. But maybe that is just me hoping for something that does not exist because it'll make it easier to cope. There was no love in the time I spent with them. There was no happiness. There was nothing but hurt and pain. It was always walking in the woods. I try to look for memories and I look through old photo albums that my mother used to send through Yahoo Photos. You could upload your digital pictures into an album. So many pictures of my family, but there aren't any of me. I was not part of that family. I can remember one Easter where I was instructed that I needed to drive my aunt home. 
six cars had to be moved for me to be able to use mine because I was the only one that had to do anything for anybody. If I ever took time to myself or even attempted to have a life outside of them, they would do anything they could to sabotage it. Three pictures. I have three pictures of when I was a child. I have a picture just a few days before I left, and I have a picture of my parents. 26 years of memories, all in just five pictures. I do not know if it was because I hated my picture being taken because of all the videos, or if it was because they did not want me to have anything that would spark any type of memory. After the night in the woods, I was not supposed to remember anything anymore. But I did. And I have been remembering little by little. I know the things that they did to me. I know the things that they forced me to do to other people. And I am not ashamed anymore because I know that all of it is what happened to me. All of it is what they did to me, not who I am. I am not like them, not even in the littlest bit. They have been trying to silence me. They have been leaving comments on my social media. They have been attacking me in court under disguise of a company suing me. They have done everything they possibly can, but I will not let them take my voice again. They will not force me into silence. They will not make me feel the shame that I felt my entire life ever again because I will not allow them to. The day that I left, I chose that it was my turn to have my own power. And I fight hard for it every single day. No matter how bad the memories get, no matter how many times they ask me to take a walk in the woods, they will never silence me again. I started sharing my story because I wanted to help others that felt so silenced find their voices. I wanted to help people notice things that people in my own town never noticed. And the more that I shared my story, the more threats and hate that I got from fake accounts that I knew was them. And then I became less scared. Now I will never take him for a walk in the woods, but never again will he take me back into those woods either. <laughs>